<laughs> hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have got a special episode for you today. Uh, first, we are going to cover the news of the week with a special focus on the special session uh, that wrapped up late last Thursday and, and what it means for our Commonwealth COVID response, uh, as well as some new information about Kentucky's diversity derived from the census data that will also play an important role in the upcoming political redistricting. Uh, then we're going to be joined by State Senator Reggie Thomas, and we're very excited to hear his firsthand account, first-hand account of what went down in crazy town, uh, I mean Frankfurt, under the super-duper GOP majorities in both chambers uh, in this special session. Uh, finally, we're going to wrap up with our call to action and event calendar. Uh, but first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? We know our Commonwealth has work to do if we're going to beat back the tide of bad politics and policy that come from Frankfurt, from limiting school districts' ability to keep our kids safe, to working desperately to uh, breathe new life into the big lie and fire up efforts to make it harder to vote. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, uh, join Progress Kentucky. It's easy. Just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you spend time on social media. Uh, go ahead and like, share, and comment on our content. And if you like what you're hearing here on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up, leave us a review, uh, or share out the show. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're up to. Uh, of course, we're going to check in with our co-hosts before we get to the news of the week. Uh, so who are you? Where are you? And what does your protest sign say today? Uh, you there in the chat, you watching, go ahead and leave your protest sign in as well. But I'm Aaron. Aaron Viles, I'm coming to you from Childsburg, a lovely deed-restricted community. Uh, in, in Lexington. And by deed restricted, I mean you can't pick what color you want your mailbox to be. So I'm raging against the HOA machine today. Uh, my sign says, uh, don't believe GOP lies. Masks save lives. That's me. Uh, Kimberly Cecil Jones, how about yourself? Hello, Aaron and everybody out there. Um, I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm coming to you from Louisville, Kentucky, Jefferson County, that is. And my protest sign says today, if I had made one, right, if I had made one, it would say, please give to Progress Kentucky. It will be one of the best things you've done in 2021 besides getting vaccinated. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Please give. You heard her, folks. Don't don't ignore what Kimberly tells you. It's very dangerous to ignore Kimberly. I would just say that it's not not recommended behavior. Uh, Doug Doug Price, Dougie Fresh, what do you got for us? Uh, yes, Doug Price from Harrison County, childhood home of Joe B. Hall. If you don't know who Joe B. Hall is, then you really don't need to be listening to this. My sign says, oh, "Can I get it up there?" Kentucky Republican lawmakers won the right to own the Kentucky COVID crisis. Nice. They won that right. When you've got super duper majorities in both chambers and you take away the power of the governor, I guess that means you own the response. Congratulations. I just have to pause there just for one moment, Aaron, if I may. Sure. Joby Hall? Who's that? <laughs> Is he that assistant coach? Was he that coach 
from U of L that started off being the assistant coach underneath Rupp. Then he became a U of K basketball player to win the NCAA championship. And he is a, a basketball coach, Hall of Famer. You're talking about that Joe B. Hall? I'm, I'm talking about the Joe B. Hall who had a uh, radio show with that coach from Louisville whose name is Denny Crumb. That Look, everybody just put your L's up. That's where all my family's money went for me to get an education at U of L. But I just wanted to say that. Okay. All right. Joe B. Hall. Uh, let's talk about political news and not basketball news for a minute. Uh, so let's do our news of the week, shall we? Um, who's ready? News of the week. Um so what we want to do is uh, go ahead and touch on the special session, right? So as we all re remember, the Supreme Court ruled against Governor Bashir and was forced to call a special session in order to address expiring emergency orders. So basically, the General Assembly removed many of the governor's tools to respond to the pandemic during the last session, right? So there were these legal challenges, you know, what he could do, what he couldn't do, um, and uh because of those legal challenges and because they, in fact they hadn't ruled on them, the governor still had some tools at his disposal. But ultimately, those, you know, those those legal challenges broke against the governor, right? So he left, he was left without his tools. He had to call the special session uh, and uh, you know, convene the circus and hope for the best. Uh, and unfortunately, the best <laughs> was not so great, right? Uh, our friends at Kentucky Voices for Health have a really great write-up, which you can find online, running down kind of what actually passed, and I'll pull heavily from that. And we're, of course, going to get into this later uh, with our guest, Senator Reggie Thomas, of course, was there firsthand. So here's what actually passed. So HJR1, which addressed the state of emergency, de emergency declaration and the governor's executive orders, so extended the state's public health emergency declaration until January 15th. Uh, till after the, no, that's not right. Uh, yeah. So January 15, 2022 extends most emergency executive orders issued by the governor, except the statewide mask mandate capacity restrictions for businesses and event venues. So that one was, you know, not terribly onerous, but then SB one, that was the one that actually addresses the school and childcare facilities, the future of mask mandates in schools and childcare facilities. So it makes null and void all emergency regulations, it enables the local school districts and childcare facilities to set their mask policies. It increases the temporary remote instruction. This was actually a decent thing, right? It's for 10 NTI days to 20 NTI days. And they can be used kind of by school districts for a single class or an entire grade. It gives them a lot of flexibility. They don't want, clearly the GOP did not want like entire school districts shutting down, uh, but uh, it did allow, you know, doubling of the NTI days, which I think is something that was certainly uh, welcomed. Uh, SB2 uh, passed as well, uh, and that addressed vaccines, the statewide mask mandate, cancels any statewide mask mandate, uh, and, you know, restricts additional administrative regulations related to statewide mask mandates until June 1st, 2023, which would be until the next governor or Governor Bashir's second term. Fingers crossed. Uh, and then it makes local jurisdictions responsible for any mask mandate decisions. Uh, SB3 also passed. That uh, addresses the state's use of the American Rescue Plan money. So again, 
happy the state GOP happy to spend the money, uh, but none of the federal Kentucky GOP representatives voted in favor of that spending. Let's not ever forget that. Uh, so it gives sixty nine million dollars to the cabinet for health and family services uh, to address the pandemic. Uh, that sixty nine million uh, for implementing like test to stay programs uh, and other um, you know other uh, pandemic response efforts. And then one other thing that passed was SB5, which didn't get nearly as much attention because it doesn't address the pandemic. It's about you know, $410 million uh, being used as incentives for economic development projects, specifically for a company to establish a headquarters in Hardin County, Kentucky. So that's what passed. Uh, and, you know, and the way that it worked uh, is that the governor, it was it was a five-day call. The special session was a five-day call, but they got it done in three days because the new rules allowed them to waive uh, public readings of legislation. It allowed them to overturn the governor's veto uh, in the span of you know, uh, you know, hours and not days. So it really gave the GOP the ability to get whatever they wanted done. Which uh, you know, I guess because the special session costs taxpayers dollars, I guess it's better they get it done sooner rather than later. It's not like they were doing anything good while they were back there. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, though, in you know, in Senate Bill Two, uh, it set, uh, requires the Cabinet for Health and Family Services to work with local healthcare providers to set up regional monoclonal antibody treatment centers across Kentucky. So, mono, nothing against monoclonal antibody treatment, right? But they range in price from twelve hundred to twenty one hundred dollars per in, uh, infusion. And for some reason, the Republicans really like monoclonal antibody treatments, probably because Trump got them when they were very early stage and he's saying their praises. But like $1,200, $2,100 per infusion versus 20 bucks for a vaccination. Like, why can't the GOP lean in to vaccinations? Uh, speaking of, uh, SB2 outlines a media strategy to publicize the voices of community leaders on the dangers of the virus and the importance of the vaccine. Um, and this one I thought was astounding because Senate President Robert Stivers said he wrote this or included this because Bashir and Public Health Commissioner Stephen Stack have desensitized Kentuckians on the issues by updating them so office, often on the coronavirus. So it's like, oh, look, it's, you know, it's Andy and Stephen Stack's fault, uh, you know, because we they talk too much about the virus. And so people can't hear them anymore. And we have to like find other ways to tell, uh, to tell people to get vaccinated. <sighs> All right. Uh, it's a mess. Uh, meanwhile, Stivers admits his efforts to boost vaccination rates in his home County are way too late. So Clay County, uh, just has 34% of its, uh, uh, of the public vaccinated. He's quoted as saying, this is probably something that should have been done months ago, well before we got into the special session. Well, obviously, thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, why is Stivers so late to the vaccine party? Uh, is it maybe because of the, you know, the political cover that uh, his uh, party is giving to the you know COVID conspiracy theories? Probably. Uh, speaking of, nationally, uh, over the last seven days, six of the top 10 counties with the highest rates of new cases of coronavirus per 100,000 people are in Kentucky. So this is from the New York Times, Perry County with its 252 cases and 112 people hospitalized with the virus per capita ranks highest in the nation. Uh, really, uh, uh, 
really problematic. So uh, with the power of the special session relegated to county school boards, a number of these school boards are stepping up. Of course, we're also seeing reports of teachers being one of the you know worst uh, um, experiencing the firsthand impacts of the pandemic. So despite the dereliction of duty, our GOP super duper majority have chosen at last count, I think it was 92 of 171 Kentucky school districts are helping to protect their kids uh, and requiring masks. Uh, and so this is info that's being pulled together right now by AFT 120 and the Kentucky Equal Justice Center. Uh, I'll be honest, 92 of 171 is a larger number I would have expected. And as a dad, I'm really glad to see responsible leadership at the school board level that educators and administrators are fighting back against this whole free dumb movement. Uh, and so that is, you know, that's what we got out of the special session uh, in a in a far, fairly large nutshell. Uh, Doug, what you what do you got for that? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of numbers I'll share with you before I get into my other comment. As of now, the most recent number I saw is 115 school districts out of 171 have decided to mask. And it seems like it's headed in that direction to where the majority of the 171 are going to mask. Here's another number I want to share before I make my comment. 49. 49 is the number of deaths reported today. In my mind, there is no question that the Kentucky Republican legislators listened to a very vocal minority as related to the mask mandate. I predict there will be bloodshed at a future school board meeting and the fault lies directly at the feet of the Republican legislators. As others have noted, we have many, many legislative mandates, including not smoking in restaurants, other vaccine requirements, etc., that are created by law and or administrative regulation. Why not state order mandates for masks and or vaccines? It is my hope that we remember in November for the next several election cycles. Yeah, amen. I think it's it's clear that there needs to be accountability here. Uh, and you know, vaccine mandates surely aren't politically palatable to a subset of our state. But I think, you know, at this point, I am just done, right? I am done with coronavirus. I'm done with this uh, pandemic. And the fact there are people holding out because of, you know, odd, like, you know, I want some mandates. I want employers to force people to get, uh, get these vaccines. Polio uh, vaccinations were mandatory. And hey, look, we eradicated polio. So I don't exactly understand why, uh, you know, the best tool that we've got at our disposal has become a politicized issue. Um, so at any rate, uh, Kimberly, you have anything to say about the special session? Well, I'm really glad that it was cut short to uh, three days instead of five because it does cost taxpayers $68,000 a day for a special session. Um, what did we get from the special session? Nothing per se that I really wanted. Um, and what is the big deal about a mask? I mean, every week we talk about this and I still come to no conclusion of why this is such a big deal about a mask that can save lives. And Doug said there were 49 deaths today in Kentucky. That's 49 people that are no longer with us because of this insidious um, virus that's going around. And also the Mu virus is now in 
Kentucky, matter of fact, in Jefferson County now. So I don't think that, what did we really spend our money on for the special session? Our governor didn't get his powers back. And I guess now everybody knows that the Republicans will be responsible for whatever happens from this moment forward. But as a party, we know that they don't take uh, responsibility. There is no accountability, especially with our Kentucky Republicans, as far as I can see. So I was so excited, hoping, praying that something would come about that would be so gracious to all Kentuckians and it would be so um, unselfish and, and selfless. But as usual, it never happens. But I'm going to keep hope alive. Back to you, Aaron. Yeah, the circus came to Frankfurt. It's good that you keep hope alive. But, you know, I will say this, and the cynical take is that it could have been worse because they could have uh, rejected any, you know, we could have been Texas or Florida, right? Where Governor DeSantis uh, is stopping local school districts from uh, imposing mask mandates uh, and is threatening to take away administrators' salaries because he's so anti-mask mandates, right? The freedom to get COVID anyway. So, you know, we, we could have been worse. Clearly, the you know super duper majority, the GOP, as Doug said, they own it now. Uh, this is their mess. Uh, they're the ones who took away the tools to deal with this pandemic in a thoughtful fashion. All right, Doug, I think you've got the next story, which is a, you know an, an element of the special session. Uh, yes, Aaron, thank you. This was um, I don't want to call it fun because it's just it's amazing to listen to the stupidity of some of these Republican lawmakers. But what I have is a compilation of crazy comments from Republican lawmakers during the special session where, as I've said before, lawmakers basically punted on trying to stop the COVID-19 crisis. Here's one from Representative Danny Bentley, who is a pharmacist. You assume he's a learned individual. When he was talking about the Pfizer vaccine, vaccine said, there's been some reports that that's a bait and switch by the FDA and it's not really approved. He was citing an online conspiracy theory. Something just isn't right about this, that we continue with a vaccine that is against our safety and efficacy in this country, he said. This next comment is from Representative Ryan Dotson, Republican from Winchester. There is a section of our population that is not comfortable with the vaccine at this point in time. We've got to give people time to make decisions about their own bodies. Well, the vaccines have been out for, what, seven or eight months? And everything points to the fact that most of the people that are hospitalized right now are people who have not been vaccinated. You would think that uh, we've given people time enough to make decisions. Representative Nancy Tate, Republican from Brandenburg, asked why the state is ignoring thousands of deaths supposedly linked to the COVID-19 vaccine, citing a federal website, the Vaccine Adverse Reporting System. She said, when we talk about the benefits, I would like for there also to be the risk. This is an accurate database. And I'm certain she did all kinds of research on Facebook, and I know that she checked out OAN and Newsmax and she talked to her neighbors next door and came up with this understanding that the uh, VAERR's database is a good database. 
experts say that such claims about that, though commonly made, are wrong and a misuse of government clearinghouse, which collects reports on all adverse reactions to vaccines. I don't know if this would be a, an actual reaction, but I saw something the other day where uh, somebody said a person was vaccinated on Tuesday and 24 hours later he was dead. Of course, they didn't mention that he got hit by a train and died, but that is something that could have been reported to be a ERS. State Senator Adrian Southworth, Republican of Lawrenceburg, said Wednesday on vaccines and masks, the top precautions against COVID-19 recommended by public health experts have failed. I'm certain she did her due diligence also. Those are the only solutions we have had for a year and look where we are, worse than ever, Southworth said. One Southworth proposal added, asked that employees of health facilities be allowed to opt out of mandatory COVID-19 vaccines. In other words, your loved one is in a, uh, a nursing home, uh, a facility like that, and people who work there, they don't have to be vaccinated. That's just an accident waiting to happen. Another proposal from her would have allowed patients under treatment for COVID-19 to choose medications not authorized by the hospital. Southworth's proposal doesn't mention a specific drug, but said COVID-19 patients have the, should have the right to have a hospital honor and administer his or her choice of medications. I think perhaps he was talking about ivermectin. There's a court case in Ohio recently where uh, a loved one sued the hospital because the hospital refused to give ivermedicin to their loved one. I presume that the hospital rolled over, but if I were the hospital administrator, I would have said, we're not gonna do that. You let us know when your transport is ready to transport your loved one to another hospital and we'll take care of that. Uh, Senator Alf Ralph Alvarado blames Kentucky low vaccination rates on the daily scolding they get from Governor Andy Bashir. Um, we listen to Andy just about every day and uh, we're very proud of our governor and the effort that he has put into this. He also said, if a physician did that to you, you'd be called a bully with a God complex, perhaps. I think that might actually describe Senator Ralph Alvarado. And as Aaron stated earlier, Senate President Robert Stivers said that Governor Bashir had desensitized Kentuckians by holding a daily press conference. You may remember Stivers held a press conference to announce his solution to the COVID crisis in his county. Free pizza coupons, yay us. And as Aaron said, they're at 34% rate of uh, people with COVID now. Aaron, back to you. Yeah, Stivers is something else. But Senator Ralph Alvarado, I think one thing that's worth mentioning, he's in fact a doctor, right? And he's like this, he's a physician, uh, you know, in residence at a number of, I think, uh, old folks homes. Uh, and the idea that he is blaming low vaccination rates on the governor 
because they daily uh, share information. Uh, the governor and Dr. Stack uh, share information about what's going on with the pandemic in our state. Like it's their fault because they're scolding people. What is wrong <laughs> with, with them? Uh, that is astounding to me. All right. I think we're moving on. Our next story is about uh, the demographics from the census. So Kimberly, what do you got for us? Yes, um, actually, there was a story in Spectrum News, and in Spectrum News, it said that the last decade saw migration move away from Kentucky's rural areas and move towards the urban and suburban areas. Uh, Jefferson County, actually, in this state, saw the biggest increase in population, and Scott County saw the biggest rate of increase. However, the U.S. Census data will be used to redraw political lines uh, in the state and basically in the entire country. <coughs> Excuse me. But while there might have been some changes at the city and county level, our state is still suffering from a significant lack of diversity. 45th out of 50 states. And also I'd like to give you some other stats, uh, primarily just about Kentucky. And these stats I got from US News uh, and, and World News and also from the census uh, themselves and NPR.org. So in Kentucky, uh, we are at a 32.8% index on the rise of diversity, okay? Uh, in the state of Kentucky, whites make up 81.3% of the population. Uh, blacks or uh, African-Americans only make up 7.9% of the population. The Hispanic or Latino uh, ethnicity makes up only 4.6% of this. So when we're talking about uh, for the whole country, there were a top 10 uh, states that lack, that were very, very low in diversity. I think everybody knows that it's very low in diversity, even though there's like maybe 23% of African-American population right here in Jefferson County where I am today. However, it says right here, Kentucky is ranked number nine in that uh, 10 state uh, lack of diversity. And uh, the white population is still altogether the largest uh, racial group or ethnicity in the United States, making up 57.8%. So when you're looking at 57.8% on that index, then we can kind of understand a little bit more why Kentucky fell so low. Well, uh, the national index for diversity is 61.1%. Kentucky is only 32.8%. Also, we noticed that we came in number nine in that top 10, we came in number nine, uh, right after, <laughs> I hate to say this, right above us in the spot of number eight was North Dakota, one of the least diverse states in America. Then comes Kentucky, and then number 10 is going to be South Dakota, which is the, the least diverse state in the country. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into this. Perhaps 
right here in the state of Kentucky, I was telling Aaron and some others the other night when we were having a meeting that I know for certain that there are a lot of talented individuals uh, that have actually left this state because of lack of opportunities, lack of inclusion, uh, lack of diversity. And a lot of times we talk about diversity and inclusion on uh, jobs, but is it really diversity and inclusion or is it still making other uh, ethnic races feel quite uncomfortable? The money problems that we have sometimes in Kentucky, the educational system in the state of Kentucky can sometimes contribute to that as well. So Kentucky has a lot to make up for. If we want to get the brightest and, and the most stellar of talent in this state, I mean, like myself, I can't do it all, Aaron. Isn't that right? And I, I mean, I think you could. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in your abilities. But, uh, you know, I think that's an important story. And obviously, demographics, you know, can be destiny in some degrees, like politically, right? So we have a challenge. Uh, because of our current populations, you know, it's hard to elect Democrats, uh, which, you know, our next guest will be able to tell us kind of firsthand. Uh, but I know that, um, you know, D Doug did a little bit more of a deep dive in some of these demographic facts. So I want to turn to Doug uh, for his response before we get to our guest, uh, State Senator Reggie Thomas. Uh, Aaron, thanks. And Kimberly, thanks too. You know me, I have to uh, try to do a deep dive into numbers. So I just want to relate some information. We took a look at the top 20 counties in Kentucky with the highest poverty rate and found that seven of those counties are in the top 10 of counties with the highest rate of population reduction. In other words, the poverty rate may affect the movement of people out of a county. Additionally, I found that all of those counties are represented by a Republican senator and 17 of those 20 are represented by a Republican representative. Senate President Stivers represents two of those counties. I would think the expression, wake up and smell the coffee, would be most appropriate. Voters need to realize their counties are losing population, uh, poverty is increasing, and then decide, do I want to keep these legislators? Oh, and each of these counties are in the red related to the COVID incidence rate. Of course, so are all of our counties except for one or two. Those are my thoughts. Uh, yeah, thanks, Doug. Uh, appreciate you taking a look at the the actual demographics and what that means for our rural counties. But I do think you know that overall shift that uh, that Kimberly mentioned. So you know, urban areas are growing, rural areas are shrinking. Uh, that definitely will play a role uh, in the redistricting that is that is soon at hand. But we're going to be moving shortly to our interview with Senator uh, State Senator Reggie Thomas. Just, Don't go anywhere. Just one other thing to say, oh, Aaron. Just okay. one other thing to what say. Just from a, a personal perspective. Just from a personal. Okay. Number one, there are certain counties in this state that I dare not go by myself. We have to be honest with ourselves and know that Kentucky is one of the most racist states in America. Everybody knows it, except for most Kentuckians. Um, as long as we keep these type of legislators in, in office, we are not ever going to get anywhere. And we're not going to get the brightest of the brightest. Not saying that white folks aren't bright, because I know some 
really top-notch white folks, such as, you know, Dougie Fresh here tonight. And that's what I affectionately call Doug Price. And Aaron, you know, they're, they're, they got it going on. However, that's what America comprises itself of, the diversity, the melting pot. And until Kentucky realizes you're never going to have the money you want, you're never going to bring the businesses that you want because these big corporations, yeah, they're looking for the tax breaks and everything else, but they're also looking for how diversified is your state, your city, your county that they're wanting to possibly have interest in moving to. So those are just the things, the other things that I wanted to just point out, Aaron. Back to you. Wonderful. Thank you. So that was news of the week. All right. Before we get to our interview, uh, we are going to, um, you know, give you a quick, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you an appeal. Uh, if you like what you're seeing here on kernels of truth, uh, can please consider supporting our efforts with a financial, uh, investment. So we have a goal of raising $1,500 for our current organizing project. We're still less than 20% of the way there. So, uh, now would be a wonderful time to make a donation. Uh, if you want to help turn Kentucky purple, remember just 419 days until we've got a chance to fire Rand Paul. Uh, and celebrate at his retirement party. Uh, we can do that uh, with your help. If you want to help make that possible, make a donation right now. Hit us up on ActBlue. It's secure, uh, and it will absolutely uh, help our efforts to turn Kentucky purple. All right, so now we are moving on to our interview. State Senator Reggie Thomas from Lexington's 13, 13 uh, Senate District. Uh, he is the minority caucus chair for the Democrats. Uh, he has just been, uh, you know, a, in a first row seat to the circus uh, in Frankfurt. And we are very interested in hearing. Thank you so much for joining us, Senator Thomas. Well, well, well thank you. At some point, I, I would like to respond to some of Doctors, Dr. Cecil Jones's comments because I, I sort of have a different view of, of, of Kentucky than she does. Uh, but but I'm glad to be here. And, and you're right. I, I do have a, a front row seat. I hadn't thought about it like that. But I do have a front row seat uh, to uh, to what happened in the legislature. Well, you've uh, you've been in the Senate since 2014. Uh, you've seen how the Republicans have used their power since they gained the majority in the House in 2016. Uh, you're currently one of only one um, uh, eight Democratic senators out of 38 Senate seats. Right. Uh, we just ran down how Republicans use their super duper majority in the special session to limit our Commonwealth's ability to keep people safe during this Delta wave of the pandemic. What is your take on kind of what you experienced uh, last week in Frankfurt? Well, it was disheartening, uh, Aaron, because we went we went in the wrong direction. Okay. Uh, uh, what we did, we, we eliminated the mask mandate in schools. We limit, limit the, the, the mask mandate, you know, statewide. Uh, uh, it said that that uh, we're going to return uh, the uh, 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 control over mask mandates locally to local school boards education. Um, uh, you know, we, we we prevented any any statewide imposition of, of mask mandates on, on businesses or, uh, or or hospitals uh, or nursing homes. Uh, now, now those institutions are, are are certainly free to impose their own mass 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 mandate, but we eliminated statewide. Look, Aaron, we know that masks work. The CDC tells us that. The American Academy of Pediatrics tells us that. Uh, the, just the the number of 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 um, uh, of um, 
places where where people use masks tell us that. Uh, but yet, you no, know, um, we ignored that as, as a general assembly, uh, particularly with regard, Aaron, when you think about children under 12 who can't get vaccinated. They now have no protection at all, none whatsoever. Uh, and it's not surprising that uh, schools have now become the new hotspot with, with regard to the COVID virus. I mean, just today, uh, Fayette County had to use a, one of its remote instruction days. They've used three so far. They only have 17 left, plus 10 more NTI days. I mean, we could get we could get to the point, Aaron, where schools will either have to close or, or stay open, even though there's a raging COVID virus you know, in their school buildings. That makes no sense at all. It, it seemed highly, highly irresponsible, you know, watching from where I sat. But what do you think? I guess one like was it the people? Because I, I, it's got to be a mix. But would you say the leadership is you know believes this stuff, or are they just kind of playing to a political base? What is your take on you know the Senate President Stivers and kind of why he's doing what he's doing? Well, well, well Aaron, I think they know better. Uh, look, you know, I know these men and women well. I mean, you know. Uh, during the course of the year, uh, when we're in session, we practically, you know, uh, live together. We spend so much time together, uh, and and they're, they're and they're good people. Uh, and 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 you know, I think they're down there in their minds to do the right thing. Uh, I would have to say, I think in this instance, Aaron, they were playing to their base. So they know mass work. Many of them had on masks, Aaron, right there in the chamber while they were voting against the mask mandate. Now, I mean, I'm talking about about uh, uh, juxtaposing, you know, what one does and what one says and, 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 and they're not being coordinating. I mean, it's, it's, it's just confounding, you know, uh, some of the things they do. So it, it, I think, I really think they're playing to their base. I think they do know better. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it, and Doug did a great rundown of some of the, the kind of outlandish things that these folks were saying. So they, you know, they were definitely sharing conspiracy theories. They definitely, you know, take, take positions that just seem un, completely, you know, insensible, unreasonable, uh, and idiotic, but Hey, I guess that's what their constituents voted for. But yeah. I know Doug, you've got a question about, uh, about the census, I think. Uh, yes, I have a, a question that's really very near and dear to my heart. The, the new census data has been released and sent to state legislators. What is your understanding and expectation of the process by which redistricting will occur in Frankfurt and the role you and the minority party will play as this unfolds? Well, let me say this, Doug. We're going to have a lot to say about redistricting. Uh, uh, I have no doubt that that um, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are uh, you know, developing their own redistricting plans. Um, uh, I think I think there's going to be some fight over that. Um, right right now, uh, uh, there's uh, uh, the governor has has not indicated he's going to call a special session on redistricting. If he was going to do that, it would have made sense for him to do it uh, last week when we were all together. Uh, that didn't occur. You know whether we will have a special session on redistricting remains to be seen. But uh, obviously there. Any plan that's proposed by their side is going to have to be fair and legal. Uh, we're going to scrutinize that and say we're going we're going to come up with our own plan. So redistricting um, uh, 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 won't, won't be something that that uh, you know uh, how can I put it? Uh, you know we'll just accept you know uh, 
quietly. Uh, there's going to be a there's going to be a whole lot of uh, discussion uh, and uh, and fight over that, just like there was with the COVID mandate uh, or, or or removal of the COVID mandates, mass mandates. One the question I've got on the redistricting, Doug, if that's okay. So the yeah. process by which, so I know that there's like, you know, you could legally, if they go too far uh, in, you know, crafting these districts for their political advantage, there are certain thresholds that you can legally challenge uh, those maps. Right. Uh, and that process is that, that's, I'm assuming that's a state level process. Yeah, so we were still running the state supreme court that Governor Bashir just ran into that didn't right. treat him too uh, favorably. Right. Well, well, the the lines have to be drawn contiguously, uh, as we know. Uh, uh, you can't split a county unless unless that county uh, has more than enough people, so you have two districts. Um, uh, and 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 the drawing lines have to at least make some. There has to be some rational basis for the lines. Uh, you know, uh, under Supreme Court precedent. Uh, so, so those are some of the rules that that they're going to have to follow. Um, there's no question that uh, the urban areas have increased in population. Doug, I'm sure you've seen that as you reviewed the, the 2020 census. Uh, and of course, that those have been areas: um, Louisville, Lexington, uh, Bowling Green, and even we're beginning to see some some movement in Northern Kentucky, uh, where we've had a, a lot of success. So again, it's, 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 they're going to have some challenges trying to draw the lines that, that make some sense, that are contiguous, um, uh, that, that, that seem to be reasonable. Um, and so again, we're, we're, going, we're going to come up with our own map uh, and uh, uh, then, then we, will, we'll, we will discuss that, debate that on the Senate floor. And we had... Uh from the League of Women Voters, the Kentucky League of Women Voters, we know that they've, they've got their own kind of fair maps process that they're sharing with the public and are engaging the public around. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, that's something that they'll be sharing with you as well, Senator Thomas, if they haven't already. But, you know, I do think that the more the more the merrier in terms of engagement on uh, redistricting. We shouldn't let it be done behind closed doors and in smoky rooms. Yeah. And as I said, I, I always want as much information as possible. You know, I, let everybody weigh in on this. I, I've not seen the League of Women Voters map uh, at this point, but now I notice out there, I've got good friends who uh, have been very active in the League of Women Voters, uh, and I, and I will uh, make it a point within the next two to three weeks to take a look at their maps as well. Yeah, and I'm not sure they have maps yet. I think they have a process by which they're looking to develop them. But yeah, do you do you remember Doug? I actually wasn't even on that show when we had uh, the representative. I think at the, at that time they were working from uh, like population data in 2019, as opposed to what the census data is, trying to draw maps that make sense at that time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether they have developed something, but whatever they develop, I firmly believe, mm -hmm. I just happen to be a, uh, a member now. I joined soon after we had, uh, I can't think of her name, but we had her on the show. And uh, so they will draw a fair map and I think that's something that hopefully all legislators can take a look at. And let me say this, because you, you, you've got to address the, the, um, the, the issue and be honest about it. We have got to win elections in the state Senate. There's just no question about it. No, um, you know, we can talk about you know, what our positions are going to be and, and, and how we're going to debate and, and argue and um, assert ourselves. But at the end of the day, Aaron, we've got to win elections. 
people say often, and it's true, elections have consequences. They certainly have had consequences in the state legislature here here in Kentucky. And the only way we're going to combat that, Aaron, is we've, we've got to win elections. We've got to recruit really good, viable candidates, candidates people respect, that people like, uh, that people have trust in. Uh, and so that's what we've really got to do at the end of the day. We, we have got to uh, win elections uh, in this state. And and, and I, I believe we can. Uh, I don't, you know, regardless of what the map shows, I don't believe Kentuckians are as red uh, as the map would lead to indicate. We, we elected a Democratic governor uh, in the Trump era. We did that. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think there are examples in which we can win as Democrats if we come up, come up with the right policies that talk about education, that talk about health care, talk about bringing jobs to our citizens. I mean, that, that's, the Demo- that's been the Democratic banner, Aaron, going back since our inception, that we're about educating our people, we're about making sure our people get proper health care uh, and good health care. We're about uh, emphasizing jobs and development. Uh, and economic opportunities for our people. Uh, and, and so that's who we are as Democrats. And I think if we keep telling people that message and showing them that we mean that over and over again, we will get people to vote for us. That's a good point. And I think it lends itself very well to the question I think Kimberly wanted to ask you. I think you're muted, Kimberly. Kimberly, you're muted. Kimberly, you're muted. <laughs> It's been a few shows since we've had had the Kimberly mute issue. There you are. You're unmuted. I'm unmuted now. Hello, Senator Thomas. Yes, Kimberly. How, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. But um, just kind of piggybacking on what I had talked about earlier, and you said a little bit about you kind of disagreed. Maybe yeah, I, have, I do have a different point of view th- than you do. Well, well, maybe because I live in Jefferson County where the DOJ is investigating our police department. Breonna Taylor was not treated fairly. I've lived here and I've gone to some small towns, I will not mention their names right now, and know how I have been treated. And I would not want to go there by myself. It is a reality. But the real question that I want to get to, I guess let's just talk politics for a second. Okay. In a way, we've been talking politics, but like this is real politics, right? Okay, okay let's, so, get real. Um, let's get real, Kimberly. We can be <laughs> so we just learned that your longtime partner in progressive advocacy, um, Kelly Flood, yes. will not be seeking re-election to the House. Yeah, I, I, and, I, I called and talked to Kelly today. Uh, did and, you? And, yeah, yeah. And I, I told her that, you know, I understand her position, but she's going to be a, a real loss in the General Assembly. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, that that that's news that, you know, I, well, I understand her position. You know, it's, it's, it's still going to be a big loss. Yes, it is. So um, that I could say is a safe seat and will mostly see the action in the primary. Uh, I expect we've also had the great news that Paula uh, Sexter, uh, it, yes. Right. We'll be running for the Senate District 12. That's correct. Uh, which she came very close to winning. When she 700, was running. 784 votes, Kimberly. That's all she lost. Yes. 784 yes. Oh, votes. Man. That hurts, doesn't it, when it's just that little. Oh, it, 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 it does hurt. Right it does hurt. Okay. So, right now, I know you brought up Governor Bashir. 
He won by about 5,000 votes. Jefferson yeah. County helped to carry him. Yes, yes, we were also in that era, uh, Senator Thomas, where Matt, um, he just, you know, the teachers, <laughs> 120 and all of the teachers were totally against Matt Bevan, yes. uh, what he was doing with retirements and, and things of this nature. So we kind of had a great end, but we only won by about 5,000 votes. And I worked. What we, we, we won, Kimberly? Yeah, that's all that matters. We won. And I, I know that we, we, we went to have a very, 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 uh, very aggressive campaign. <laughs> I was knocking on like two hundred doors a day. It was, it was insane. But we won. Yes, and so, I, I was right there with you, Kimberly. He was right there with me, knocking on doors. And people, Lexington will tell you that I knocked yes. on as many as many doors as you as you did. Everyone knows it was the Frankfort County Field Office that won the election for Andy Bashir, uh, which was run by someone in this live stream. I can't can't remember who. Um, anyway, Senator Thomas. Yes, Kimberly. You know, so you know, my little brother had to speak up there for a little bit because yes, he was a field director in the campaign there okay. in the Frankfort right. area. Good, good, good. But uh, what I want to ask you is. Um, how are you viewing these races? Um, do you keep hope alive like I do? I just have like that romanticism, like one day everybody's going to wake up perhaps um, so that we can see these shifts that we need to see in the Senate and in the House uh, in 2022. We have to gain it back if we ever want to progress. That's your question, Kimberly. I, I see it with optimism. But 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 I also uh, demand sound planning, um, uh, uh, good leadership, uh, and, and and candidates who I who, who as I said can command respect uh, of their constituents. Um, uh, you, you have to uh, have all of that. Um, you know, it's not just it's not just hoping, but but putting in the hard day to day work as we as we talked about, knocking on doors. Uh, you know, uh, having a sound message and obviously raising money. Uh, I, we, we can't ignore the, the importance of money in politics. Uh, so it takes all of that to win. Uh, and so, I, and so, I view every race with optimism, but more importantly, with with a great deal of pragmatism in terms of what needs to be done to win. Exactly. Thank you, Senator Thomas. Well, well, well thank you, Kimberly. And Kimberly, I will say this in defense of my state. Um, I have been to every county in Kentucky, you know, from Fulton County down in the river counties in the west, you know, all the way to Pikeville and Martin in the east, uh, and, and, and all the counties in between. I've been to every county in Kentucky. And there's not a county in Kentucky, Kimberly, for me, now I can only speak for me, that, that I would be afraid to go to. Yeah, I, I, I've been them all, uh, and and would go to all of them again. Uh, so I, I don't have that apprehension about visiting any county in Kentucky. Well, I'm glad that's for you, Senator Thomas, because there's so many of us, including myself, and so many others that have not felt that way. Well, so yeah. we're going to get better. We're going to get better. We're going to get better in this state. I don't plan on leaving, although I've been offered many times um, other opportunities elsewhere in more diverse states. Um, I still continue to stay here. Gluttons for punishment, I suppose. I, we're oh, glad yeah. to have you, Kimberly. We're not going to turn Kentucky purple without you. 
Uh, and folks, you know, we we need to build a bigger base here, you know, because as, as Senator Thomas said just so well, it's about winning elections. It's about having the messages and the policies, and it's about getting the information out. And I like to think that here at Kernels of Truth, in our own little way, we are helping to, you know, tell the stories and share the information that's necessary to just shift these politics a little bit. Because, you know, even though it's a super duper majority right now, it doesn't take that many votes to spread out over the right uh, precincts to make things uh, shift again into a more sensible way for a more compassionate Commonwealth. Senator Thomas, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your perspective. We always love to talk with you. You are a stalwart uh, defender of progressive values in, in Frankfurt and wherever. I know the, you know, the first protest I organized uh, locally here in, in Lexington, you were there, you're ready, you're showing up and, uh, and help, uh, always willing to help, which we appreciate uh, so well, much. Well, and I like your commitment to the state your commitment to, to to the causes that the Democratic Party embraces. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the Democratic Party might not be wonderful, but it's so much better than the alternative. <laughs> and they put it on display each and every time they gather uh, in Frankfurt. Good God. Uh, so congratulations on surviving another special session. Uh, I hope that the regular session uh, is, you know, uh, is also something you can survive. Because you know, we need you back there. I, I got to imagine it cannot be fun being, you know, one of eight Democrats uh, in the state Senate. Uh, but, you know, I, I watch you as a politician and I feel like you, you just lead with the right values. Uh, you aren't ever, you know, mean spirited about the opposition. Uh, it seems like, but you're always very factual and you're very, I, I think compassionate about what, what our state truly needs. It's hard not to be, I think, despair occasionally from time to time, but I feel like you do have such a wonderful uh, approach to how you govern and we appreciate that. Well, well, well that means a lot, Aaron. And, and, and thank you for those very kind words. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing your evening with us. Uh, and, you know, and folks, that was State Senator Reggie Thomas, uh, a, a huge leader, uh, the minority caucus leader in the state Senate in Frankfurt, a, again, a stalwart defender of progressive values here in, in, in Lexington and across the Commonwealth. Uh, we want to thank him again for being with us tonight. Uh, I think we're going to move on to our action and events calendar. Uh, Kimberly has got uh, some, a lot of great things to share with us. Kimberly, uh, take it away. Yes, I do. Progress Kentucky has joined Kentucky Voting Rights Coalition, a loose association of organizations committed to ensuring that previously incarcerated people reclaim their right to vote. And they want more citizens across our Commonwealth registered and voting in every election. They have some events coming up to put those goals into action. And you can find out more about their efforts online. But uh, first of all, telling you about the soul of Second Street Festivals, which is September the 17th through the 18th in Danville. There will be a voter registration table and petitions. There's gonna be door-to-door -door canvassing for voting rights in Lexington on September the 25th. And then there's PAR, People Advocating Recovery Annual Recovery Rally, which is gonna be September the 25th also at 615 South 3rd, uh, right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can go to parrally.org, and that is P-A-R-R-A-L-L-Y.org, including there's going to be a voting rights table there. So the Kentucky Democratic Party has launched Ready to Run, yes, Progress Kentucky. Um, 
we got the information. We want to give this to you. We're so excited. It's a new training program for prospective uh, candidates and staff envisioned to provide the building blocks to win Democratic campaigns right here in Kentucky. There will be a few sessions, but the first is going to be September the 23rd. To learn more or apply, head on over to kydemocrats.org. Then there is National Voter Registration Day, September the 28th, Progress Kentucky. will be doing some tabling to get folks registered. This will likely be organized in Frankfurt. It might be a few days before or after. This effort will be headed up by super activist, Ms. Deborah Grainer, with support from our organization team, Kit, Betty, Sandy, and others. So if you're interested in doing some voter registration in a COVID-cautious outdoor manner, Make sure that you're on our email list to be alerted. October the 2nd is the National Women's March with events happening all across the country. In Lexington, they are planning the March for Reproductive Freedom. If you'd like to help push back against folks like the Texas Taliban, woo, you know, the Texas Taliban. That's very, very fitting. And those supporting HB 91, the statewide vote on abortion access will see on the ballot in Kentucky in November of 2022. Join the Facebook group to help make this event as big and as impactful as possible. And you can go over to the Facebook group right there, uh, Progress Kentucky, to have more information and put your thoughts and your views and join us. Okay. And finally, I had to save the worst for last, right? Uh, <laughs> talking about Rand Paul, I really haven't had a chance to talk about him lately, and that has been a very favorite subject of mine. But Progress Kentucky has launched a petition to urge the Kentucky Board of Medical Licensure to investigate unethical and dangerous medical advice from Dr. Rand Paul. We're closing in on our signature goal. We are very, very close to 500 signatures, at which point we will file an official grievance with the board and hopefully get Senator Dr. Paul's Kentucky medical license suspended. If you think it's dangerous and irresponsible to instruct people to get arrested instead of following mask rules, please sign and share our petition. You can find it at Investigate Dr. Paul and also on the, on the um, Progress Kentucky page. We've got all of that there. Share, 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 share. Like, 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 like. You guys know the algorithms and how it goes. We've got to get this information out. We cannot be having senators going around saying that they're a doctor and have licensing and go around and tell people things that are contrary to their everyday health. So tonight we would just really, really like to think, and I know you guys are so happy. I got a new computer. It is like, oh, this is so wonderful. I don't even know what to do. So uh, next week on Kernels of Truth, uh, we're going to be talking about that in just a second. But first, I got to give some shout outs. I always got to give my shout outs. First of all, to Senator Reggie Thomas for coming and joining us tonight and giving us pertinent information about the special session and everything that's been going on. Dougie Fresh, of course. And yes, my nephew, who is the son 
of Miss Betsy Foster, who is one of my best friends. So, you know, her son is like my nephew, right? He has been run, running the controls tonight. Kudos to him for helping out Progress Kentucky and also Dougie Fresh. Well, Mr. Doug Price, who always comes armed and ready with facts and data and to the best co no, I'm not going to say that because we're running neck and neck, but the best host ever on Progress Kentucky, wink, wink, that will be Mr. Aaron Vowles. So I have to always give my shout outs from the very beginning when that's concerned. But next week on Kernels of Truth, you've got to be really excited about this. If you were excited about tonight, and yes, my hair is falling to pieces. Nobody even commented about my new hairstyle, but that's okay, folks. Uh, we're going to be joined by Kentucky's Pride, Silas House, the New York Times bestselling author of six novels, including his most recent novel, Southernmost. His writing frequently appears in the Atlantic and has been published recently in Time. And The Advocate, The New York Times, and many other places. We'll hope you'll join us next Wednesday for this wonderful opportunity to hear from a true Kentucky treasure. Like, ladies and gents, we are like moving all the way up. We got big time really coming on here next week. You got to make sure you're on here. I'm even going to put some eyelashes on and some red lipstick just for the occasion. It's so special. But Progress Kentucky, I must tell you, is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State organized as a 501c4, is affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, known as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Some of the graphic content that you saw tonight is provided, provided by Couch Fire Media. Couchfire Media ignites multi-camera, live stream, educational, and commercial video production content. More information can be found at couchfiremedia.com. Uh, so I already gave, but let me give another one because he so graciously came to us. And I'm so happy. But production this evening was by Lynn Wallace. Thanks for volunteering, Lynn, to help get our live stream out to people. You've done a great job tonight. And you know, if you didn't, I would tell you. Sweet. Now, yeah, okay. <laughs> so the Jones Report is a weekly live national and local and international talk and conversation show. And we are going to be starting not this Sunday, but the Sunday after. We're going back to Sundays, okay? No more Tuesdays. So be looking out on the Jones Report radio program page on Facebook. We are getting ready to light it up with some guests that you will not believe. Yes, it's going to be all that. And I know that everybody wants to know all about Aaron and Dougie Fresh's, you know, personal life. Like, what do they like and what do they do when they're not on Kernels of Truth? You'll be finding all that out, too, because, you know, your girl Kimberly will get all the information for you. So uh, just keep posted and we'll and we'll keep you posted on that as well now nate portion my good friend he created the song that you hear and if you have not gone to his website to take a look and listen to his music i don't know what to do i guess it's just like what doug said about joe b hall you know if you don't know who he is why are you looking at this program 
Um, but anyway, make sure you go take a look at him at NATO Songs. That's N-A-T-O songs.com. And if you miss our weekly Facebook live stream, don't worry. You can always rewatch our shows and see our source links on Facebook and YouTube. So I just want to tell you one thing before we go. This week, you got just a few more days. Do something nice for somebody, right? It doesn't cost you a lot of money to say hi to someone. Give someone a smile. Um, you can even smile with your eyes. Watch this. Wait a minute. Let me do it like this. See, you can tell I'm smiling. Even though I may have a mask on, you can tell, like, hey, that I'm smiling. You know, give some of that good energy off. Say a prayer for someone. We all need one right about now. And wear your mask. And until then, same bad channel, 7 p.m. next Wednesday, right here, Kernels of Truth. We'll see you then. Have a good week.